If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, at Live on Four Legs Podcast, and on Twitter, at Live on Four Legs Pod. That girl, I'd be back soon. A little bit south of Saskatoon. I hope you all understood that reference. Hey, everybody, now welcome to Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. And if you haven't tuned into us, we are a Pearl Jam podcast that focuses on the live aspect of Pearl Jam in our opinion, the best aspect of Pearl Jam, to go and see them live, to see the songs performed, to see the Ed antics, whatever it is, from any era, we got you covered, and we got a good show coming on for you today, because we're doing Saskatoon 2005, if you haven't gotten that already from the the intro music, we are doing Saskatoon, and we're going to have a very special guest on, so we'll get into all that in a second. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there, welcome. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing just fine. A little bit of a know, cold, yeah. but getting getting through it. And uh, we are uh, we are following up on Canada. We had promised that we would <laughs> be doing some more Canada shows, and here we are again in the Great White North. Well, I wouldn't share a promise on the show without knowing that we were definitely following up on it. <laughs> if we didn't have this in the schedule, I would have been like, "Well, I have no idea when we're getting to Canada." Sorry. <laughs> Right. But that is a goal. I think there are at least three more Canada shows, maybe two more yeah, Canada yeah. shows. No, there are three. There are three on our radar. Cool. So cool. spliced in throughout the year, you know, hopefully we get to more Canada and hopefully our Canadian uh, coverage is is sufficient enough. And we'll obviously do more as, as the days and years go by. But today we have a really special guest that's coming on the show and uh, it's Jason Leung, he's the author of the book, This All-Encompassing Trip. And if you've never read it before, it's a great read about basically about following Pearl Jam on tour. You know, I read it for the first time before we talked to him. And it was it was tough because I was like, oh, this is just going to be painful because, you know, we're kind of in this drought right now where I, you know, I haven't seen live music in a really long time. And I was like, oh, this is going to be just too hard. But the way the way he the way it's written the way he talks about it it's, you know it's a lot about the relationships that he made along the way the friends that he made the the kind of the the experience of of just being out on the road and it it brought back some some really good memories for me of, of being in the van and being in a band and going out and doing it so yeah it was, it was great to talk to him we definitely thank him for making the time and yeah he he lived it man he the thing that we all dream about doing you know it, in the next the next year, next two years, is going to all these shows and making up for lost time. He's he's lived it, so it was it was great to talk to him. Yeah, he sure has, and he's you know he did that whole kind of era that we're talking about here. He did all of the 2005 shows in Canada, then went and did a lot of the Avocado tour on the East Coast, and then I think everything for the West, and then finished up 2006 by going to Europe. And by then he wasn't going to every single show. But he was traveling to Europe, and we'll get into that a little bit here. And he went to Australia. So that's like, 
I don't know how many shows they played in 2006, but it was, it was probably over 45 shows that he went to in that one year. So he's got experiences. He's obviously documented it all. And we're going to get into it. And the first thing that we asked him was just looking back on it, 15 years. What's it like to, to look back and, and know that you've done this in your life? Um, well, it, they basically opened up my, my eyes for everything, the view uh, with around the world and basically how I lived my life. Um, back then I was quite, uh, follow the rules and you went to school and then you got a job and you stayed there pretty much for the rest of your life. Um, but I took a chance at this trip across Canada in the van and that kind of just added to my fuel and uh, to continue more for traveling and exploring and kind of learning new cultures around the world. Um, and since then I've lived in Australia for a bit. Um, and I've lived in Europe for about probably 10 years now. Wow. Books been out. So it's been kind of a blur the last 10 years, but definitely uh, I've grown up a little bit more and I can kind of reflect back on what we did as a, as a kid 15 years ago and uh, proud of my achievements back then. Do you look back on that tour as like kind of a turning point in your life or being like, you know, you kind of like the demarcation line, like you had your life before and then you have your life after, right? Yeah, it's kind of a tale, tell two tales almost. So yeah, definitely a bit of a turning point. I mean, I still kind of continued working after the Canadian tour, but like, the bug was in me already, so it kind of was a driving point for me to keep going and, and explore a different life. And you you mentioned you mentioned work, and it's really interesting because part of this, you know, your your job let you, and you wrote about this in the book. Your job let you go out for a month and and do this entire tour. But when 2006 came along, you wanted to do the U.S. side of the tour. That was something you weren't going to be able to do because the legs were too far apart. I think you had a month in between the two. So what, how difficult was that having to basically you're almost nomadic in, in a sense, uh, you, you leave your job and you're going out and you're discover, discovering the world all kind of on your own with a couple of other people. Well, for sure. Well, because I had stability back then, I had a lot of money saved from, from my job. Um, and I don't know if I could have done it without quitting my work. I don't know how people do it nowadays when they go to multiple they got to take time off. So the only way I was able to do the, the U.S. tour and further was to leave my job and, and kind of try it out on my own and, and try something new. Yeah, and that's, I mean, like you said, that's almost impossible for people to do nowadays. Like imagine, and even with how the tours are nowadays, what 2020 was supposed to be is at least in America, that's really tough to make those drives. It was supposed to be, I think, New York City going down to Nashville to St. Louis, then to to Oklahoma City. Like, would that, looking at that, would that have been a big challenge for you? Or do you think you could have done something like that? Well, that's actually quite comparable to Canada, actually. <laughs> <laughs> quite far in between. <laughs> um, 2006 in the U.S., um, I mean, there were more logical, I guess. They did like a, a Northeast tour and then they did a West Coast. So it was quite logical and easier to follow back then. But yeah, like you said, 2020 tour would be difficult. So many dates that they have to hit kind of all scattered throughout the map. So what, um, you know, we're doing the Saskatoon show and uh, this is kind of almost like a turning point in your story. You, you kind of start off and you're kind of getting to know everybody. You're kind of getting to know the van and you're starting to work through what it seems like a tough sleep schedule and a tough, you know, having to find hotels and find places to eat and find gas stations. And it's really difficult. Um, but the Saskatoon 
it feels like it's the the most stereotypical road trip story in the world, but you need those. And I think one, one of you guys, one of you are, uh, there are a couple characters that are, are in your story. I think Stefan and talk, one of them said, you can't go a whole road trip without losing gas. So there's that story. And that happened after the Saskatoon show. Do you want to, sh- do you remember what, what that was like or? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Saskatoon was probably one of my favorite shows of the tour. Um, and everyone was on a high after the show. So we just like, we want to keep going after the show to the next, next city, which was Winnipeg about nine hours away. So driving overnight would have been good for making up some ground. Um, but being in the middle of Canada, uh, in the middle of the prairies, there's nothing open. So I think we were about two hours outside and we did not see anything, any signs of life. Uh, so we kind of figured we're going to be running out of gas soon. There's nothing going to be able to save us. So, uh, I think. Probably we drove about three hours and then we started to to slow down. Uh, but we did manage to push ourselves to the a gas station in the next town, which was maybe 20, 20 feet away. Uh, so we set up our, our van to be able to spend the night at the gas station. And all of a sudden, uh, another van pulled up beside us, a group of Pearl Jam fans. We said, Don't you know it. <laughs> uh, one of the guys in our van was from Winnipeg, so he was eager to go home. So we kind of reluctantly say, okay, well, we'll accept your offer. If they come back, we'll, we'll keep going. So about 30 minutes later, they came back with a canister of gas and told us there's a gas station about 15 minutes ahead. So we kept going. Yeah. Canadian and, hospitality. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I've been driving from the previous city, Edmonton, which was like six hours to Saskatoon. That was in the morning at the show. Uh, and then we had this drive going on to Winnipeg. Uh, so, and everyone was passed out by this point in the van. <laughs> so before I knew it, I was in a ditch. <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah. I, I could pull it through, but was, you know, it's, it's so that that's one of the, my favorite parts of the book too, is cause you're like, I could, I could feel it. Like I could see it. And then I just, I just relaxed for a second. And then the next thing, you know, like, like I've done that too. Like, I don't know if you've, have you ever been in a band? Have you ever like been on, I have to tour in a van like that? When you, uh, when not like, with a band, music? but with, with people in, in the yeah. van. Yeah, because like I was when when my band, you know, 20 years ago, we used to get in the van and go like we toured across America and it brought back a lot of memories for me because like you were basically that's what you were doing. You were in a band like you were in the van, you were doing it. And yeah, like it's just I, I, I was the one who would like drive all night after the show, try to like, you know, sleep during the day and then drive at night. It brought back a lot of good memories for me. And yeah, I, I remember that feeling of like, oh, we're almost there, we're almost there, and then like, yeah, you guys, you guys were lucky to to that that you you escaped with the way you did, man. Like, you know, you a lot of those things don't don't end up like that, but you know, the the Pearl Jam gods were shining down on you that that night. No, for sure, we were, we were lucky that we were in the the flat part of Canada. Right, right. <laughs> we didn't roll over. Um, so I mean, I was able to call call a tow truck at that point, and the funny thing was. The, uh, the stage crew trucks were driving past as we get pulled out by the tow truck. <laughs> yeah, you, they, they kind of weave in and out of your story, like kind of the, the tour crews and the, the 10 Club and actually a couple of band members too. Yeah, I mean, for the, the tour crew, I mean, there's only one highway in Canada, so you could not miss them. Right. <laughs> so the South Park joke was right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, they, they noticed you after a while because you have this big blue van and the 89 Dodge and uh, like there's all the dates that are on the bottom, you know, as Kitchener, London, uh, 
Toronto, wherever else, uh, the whole entire tour is, is listed on your band. And on the side, it says tonight we rock whatever the next location is. So the guys started to, to recognize you after a while. Is this right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, in, in Canada, there wasn't a lot of time to kind of interact with, with the band outside of the shows. Um, but by the time we got to the final show in St. John's, we were more relaxed. It's like the tour is over. We can kind of explore the town. And I mean, it's not a very big town. You can spot people a mile away and you can notice them. And, and uh, I think we were at a bar for the pre-party for Wishlist. Um, and then all of a sudden Mike walks up right directly to us and wow. they've seen the van around and he wants to see it in person. That's cool. Um, yeah, I'm sure word got around from the crew and everything. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. And before that, I think earlier, Jeff uh, flagged us down on the street, too, and he wanted to, to take a look at the van, and, and they all autographed it and everything, so that was kind of cool and a big highlight for us for that tour. Have you heard of other people that have tried doing this after you guys did? Because this became pretty popular, and around the forums, you were pretty well known, and everybody kind of wanted to get a glimpse of this, especially out on the 2006 tour when it was in the U.S., for sure. I mean, they, I mean, there's a lot of people that did it before us too, but they maybe didn't document uh, the way that we did. Um, I mean, it was a different time back then, um, but we were able to put out a video on YouTube so people can follow it visually. Um, and then obviously my book came out, but that was 10 years later. Um, but yeah, definitely I've, people are trying to do more shows now. And, and I think Pearl Jam was able to enable that because the Canadian tour was kind of the first time you were able to buy more than one ticket from the 10. So before that, it was very difficult to get more more tickets to, to the other shows. Uh, so this one, you were able to buy all the tickets at once. Um, but I think nowadays, tickets are harder to get by. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a conversation that we can have for <laughs> another 10 hours if we have to. But Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I, there's so many interesting facets of this. Just the people that you meet along the way and randomly like you got characters that are in the book Callie Joe Newfie Joe uh you know you 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 end up meeting what is now your your wife uh like how how have these relationships kind of developed and and really what the book becomes in the later chapters is more about your relationships and your traveling experiences than you know you going to see Pearl Jam and you're experiencing the band yeah, I mean, that's the great thing about the Pearl Jam community and, and what people probably realize is, is you have these connections with people that are like-minded as you. Um, I mean, it might be related to the band or the music that you write that you they attract the same type of people or similar at least. Um, and you have that common ground that, that you can start a conversation with when you meet people for the first time. Um, and then being on the road with these people, spending extended amount of time with them, you develop bonds. Um, and it's, I'm lucky that the people that we meet are, are, are good, good hearted and, and they're kind and uh, very friendly. And I mean, I can call them some of my best friends afterwards. Have you, uh, do you keep up with these people regularly? Do you still talk to the guys like Callie Joe, Newfie Joe, Stefan talk? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, I've gone to a couple of their weddings too, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. A lot of the people are bonding that, that closely <laughs> together, right? With yeah, I mean, man. you develop good good bonds with these people, and and I mean, they stay close for a long time. Did you have any expectations? I mean, think back to that first night in Vancouver. Did you have any expectations that it would become what it did, like meeting all these people, and you kind of like it? Just it just feels like it keeps snowballing, keeps building, and it, we try to try to put yourself back in that mindset of that first night. Like, what 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 were you what were you thinking? 
Right. I mean, I knew that I'd meet people and meet Pearl Jam fans. That was kind of the point of the, the, the trip was to go out and to find people that also like the music. Um, but I mean, obviously, I had no idea that it would turn out this way and, and how people would stay in our lives for, <laughs> for now 20 years now. Um, but yeah, when I mean, when the first tour came along, it was just more of like driving across the country was the, the driving point and the purpose of the trip. And like Pearl Jam was kind of the driving force for that. And I mean, all the other stuff is just extra. So going back to the book, like what was the, what was the impetus behind putting out a 10th anniversary edition? Was there, did you feel like it was something you were ready to kind of relive and something you wanted to kind of update? Well, how was, how was that, what was that process like for you? Um, I mean, it was released in 2010 and, and since then I've got asked a lot of people asking me to put out a hardcover version. Um, and I mean, always, always put it off cause it was extra work. <laughs> But uh, since I saw this coming up as a 10th anniversary, I saw an opportunity to, to put it out there, put a new design on. And uh, I mean, with the print on demand services now, you can kind of put it out and, and not worry too much about it. Sure. I, I feel like, you know, not everybody has heard of this book before because it's not necessarily a Pearl Jam publication. But, you know, things around this community kind of get passed around word by word of mouth. So how did, how did you kind of... You know, how did you pass around the word? Like, how did how did you get people kind of interested and engaged? Was it all through the people that you had toured with? Like, how how did uh, how did that all kind of start? Uh, so, I mean, most of my promotions was was word of mouth through social media, through people um, that that I was related to or, or connected to from the beginning. And they, I mean, word of mouth is amazing how you can spread things really quickly. So that really spread the promotions. Um, and then one one thing that really helped was actually the PJ20 promotions that the band was doing. And then whatever I was putting out was being piggybacked off. <laughs> That's pretty good. So that year was quite quite good for the sales, too. <laughs> and carrying that video camera around was a was a stroke of genius. I think that just attracts people, too. You got you had so many people that just they see the camera and they go, oh, I want to do that. And then, you know, being able to make those DVDs and now it's on YouTube where people can can go back and relive it. It's a, it's a great watch. Yeah, I definitely recommend going and doing that. Yeah, and definitely. And, and during the 06 tour, the, the idea of a book kind of came to my head already. So I was telling people that maybe I'll be writing a book someday. And then a lot of people will follow up. And when it came out, then they were, they were happy that I had it. What you're doing now is you kind of have a, uh, a production company and you're starting to write children's books. Is that, is that right? Was this, uh, was this idea of, of getting through this book and kind of be, this being a five-year project, did this inspire you to want to dig deeper into writing? And now you have a two-year-old, so obviously, you know, you're reading a lot of children's books. So, Well, the, the experience of writing actually stop me from wanting to write more. <laughs> Once I got it out, that was my, that was it for writing. Um, but since I, I do have a two-year-old now and I've been reading books to him every night and it's kind of been the highlight of the day. Usually you spend a lot of time if you're a toddler. Um, and I figured I, I could <laughs> offer some of my insight into to stories and, and try to create stories for, for children as well. So yeah, looking into writing some children's books in the future. Would you write a children's book about Pearl Jam? Uh, yeah, definitely uh, looking into something like that. I'm just trying to plant some uh, seeds here. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm starting a blog, a uh, daddy blog called the the Rockstar Dad. Actually, cool. Okay, it's very nice. Be somewhat related to uh, rock and roll, living your dream, uh, watching role, uh, creating role models for your kids and stuff like that. And very cool. 
as somebody who's about to be a dad in six months. Um, I, I saw I'll that. Congratulations. Lo- <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'll definitely be looking to that very soon. <laughs> if people want to do this, and obviously we mentioned before, this is a, more of a difficult task to do because it's kind of more spread out and it's harder to get tickets, especially through the 10 club. And then with the whole Ticketmaster thing that's going on now where you have to show your ID at the door, it's going to be a lot harder for people to get into shows now. But for anybody that wants to try this and try to hit every single show on a tour, what advice would you give for them? (laughs) Uh, Just go and do it. (laughs) Go, pick up your van or, or just drive. You don't even need a lot of people with you. You'll, you'll accumulate a group with you, I'm sure, throughout the way. Um, obviously, the logistics are harder now. Um, but if you want to do it on a smaller scale, you can pick certain regions of a tour. Maybe just do like a Northeast tour or just an East Coast tour or something like that. And like plan it out and see what makes sense. Um, and then as far as getting tickets, it's, it's always difficult to buy them officially. Um, when they go on sale, but there's always someone that has a spare or someone doesn't want to, can't make it. Um, they have to sell their extra tickets. So you can show up to shows and, and talk to fans and they'll know someone that might have an extra ticket. So there's always a way to get a ticket to a show. I think. I think the most inspiring part of your book is that, that almost every single time, aside from maybe the storyteller <laughs> show, like you guys miraculously got in and it was all right. positive experience. So for anybody and for anybody that has had experiences where they haven't been able to get into shows, read the book and hopefully this will, you know, bring in some positivity and, and make you feel like, okay, this is what I got to do. I just got to network a little bit, just got to talk to some people, but you guys seem to make it happen every single time, which is just amazing. And, and it kind of goes to show what this fan base can, can do in the clutch. Yeah, and the few times that we didn't make it into the show, it was still a wonderful time. You still met a lot of people that that we became good friends with afterwards. So the whole overall experience is great. So even if you don't get a ticket, go out and meet some Pearl Jam fans. It's you'll have a good time. Yeah, I think it says. I mean, it says a lot about you and and you know the the guys you were traveling with. You guys, it seemed like you you know you you were so welcoming of people and like anyone that needed something, like yeah, come on, let's do it, like that that kind of attitude you almost don't you don't hear a lot of that anymore so i i give you a lot of credit i think it, that was one thing that stuck out to me is just all the people that came on like yeah this person's from from florida this person's from australia this person's from seattle this person's from europe like yeah just come on get in the van let's go like i you don't see a lot of that attitude anymore that that was really refreshing i give you a lot of credit for that just being a being so welcoming and and being so open to to having those experiences with people it, it really like and again like the book is about Pearl Jam, but it's it's almost like Pearl Jam is just kind of the the setting and like the backstory of of your story and the the people that you meet and the traveling that you've done. It's I really recommend it for people that haven't haven't had a chance to read it. For sure, I mean the the great thing about this community is is most of the people you meet are, are good people. So yeah, your your first instincts is good with, with pretty much everyone you meet here. So that helps a lot with, with the trust. <laughs> for sure, for yeah. sure, yeah. Now this this van the touring van what uh what ultimately happened to it how oh, yeah, how did know. how did yeah. the life end for the touring van here uh, it's sitting in my parents garage in uh Vancouver. really you still wow. have it <laughs> that's incredible i actually drove it down to san francisco about 5 years ago for a wedding <laughs> was it one was it a wedding of one of the guys or uh no it wasn't but, oh, okay uh, did 
on the way back up, I did visit one of the guys. <laughs> Does it have any of the tape still on it? The stickers? Yeah, it's the, the autograph slowly rotting away. <laughs> <laughs> um, the autographs are, are faded out. Um, yeah, yeah. But we did see Mike, I think, uh, in Edmonton in 2011, and he autographed it again inside the van. So, oh, okay. cool. Is is there any chance that it that gets brought back out for 2021-22? Is there is there is there one last voyage Ooh. in it? Uh, we brought it out in 2013 for between Seattle and Vancouver. So like anything that's small and okay, well, that way, <laughs> just a ceremony, more out. of a ceremonial trip. Exactly. Yeah. I don't I don't think it'd make it across the country again. You're not bringing it to Nashville, is what you're saying? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, someone else has a van there. They can start their own trip there. Oh that, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's you know, it's beginning something new and starting something fresh. And and everybody nowadays wants to cling on to the old stuff and and you know just kind of rehash the old stories that have already been told. But no, let's let's start new ones. I fully am. I'm on board with that. But uh, it's been great talking to you, man. Uh, just great stories from the van. And and really, if you haven't picked up the book, pick up the book. And and Jason, tell everybody the best places that they can pick it up because like we want to give the credit to you and not, you know, some big box company like Amazon. Uh, well, it's pretty much only available on Amazon. <laughs> All right. Well, go give your money. <laughs> That's now. The way, uh, it's the way things I, go. Yeah. I did sell up uh, my last remaining copies, I think a few weeks ago. Um, but this all encompassing trip.com has links to, to Amazon where you can get it for both the, the new hardcover as well as the paperback. And for anybody that, follows us on twitter we're going to be giving away a copy of the book so keep an eye on that that's probably happening in the next week or so so definitely keep an eye on our twitter and just retweet the tweet and you might be the winner of, of a brand new book and we thank jason so much for joining us and uh dig into this book and, and read it i think you guys are going to really enjoy it jason thanks so much for for joining us and hopefully uh when 2022 it seems like 2022 is the year now because we're hearing rumblings that 2021 is pretty much done for Europe. Uh, but hopefully in 2022, you guys get to go out to more shows. Hopefully we get to meet up with you guys and all that. So uh, hoping for the best for you out there. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being on here and I yeah. look forward to see you guys around. Thanks so much for Jason coming on again. Again, the book is fantastic. Pick it up if you can. This all encompassing trip. We're trying to get the book on binauralrecords.com. Chris that we had on last week. Uh, he, that's his, that's his record store website. So we're trying to get the book on it. We got not for you, Pearl Jam in the present tense on his website. And we're trying to get a couple other publications there. Uh, but we're trying to get it there. It, it's on Amazon if you can't get it anywhere else. Uh, but great guests, awesome stuff, awesome stories. Yeah. 10th anniversary edition. That was, that was great. So good, good timing. It was great to have him on. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, this was probably his favorite show from the tour. So I think we we picked a good one. I don't know if it was I don't know whose idea it was to pick Saskatoon. I don't know if I remembered and kept in my head that it had the 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 van in in a ditch story to it. But I, I think this has just kind of been passed around as just a very solid show in, in their catalog in, in a in a venue that really doesn't get a whole lot of love. Yeah, and it's one of those kind of out of the way places that they, you know, they they've only played there twice. I think they it's not somewhere I think a lot of places get 
you know not a lot of bands make the make the trip out there mm-hmm. to the the middle of nowhere in Canada. So it was a it was a big moment, I'm sure, for the for the people who live there. And you can you can read about that in the book. And yeah, it's this this O five Canadian tour is great. Like so much stuff was coming back. The set list are all great. Like he mentions that it's it's just a great show. They were kind of getting warmed up after the the fir- the gorge and the first couple of intro shows. And yeah, they were they were they were in the middle of it. So yeah, this is this is a great show, a great set list. Absolutely. And um, we're gonna get into it in just a sec, but we have to mention the opening act, the Super Suckers. Uh, this is this is something that we don't have video of, but we wish we did. We wish we had documented footage of this. Ed joined the Super Suckers, and he joined them wearing that silver jacket that he got from the Frogs, and I believe a luchador mask that probably the same luchador mask that he wore down in Mexico, that show we covered a couple of weeks back. So they performed, I believe, in Miracles together. It's just every time that Ed joins the opening act, it's just, man... You don't expect it, and maybe you wonder if it could happen. And then when it does, you're just like, "That's that's Ed just giving a nod to to the opening band again, just enjoying music and enjoying his surroundings." Well, yeah, and and you know, with with the with the band's got a another singer named Eddie. You know, he's gonna he's gonna make a reference to it, which we get a little bit later in this. But um, I I, well, I was hoping it was gonna be I say fuck. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the super suckers at all they have a great little one minute song it's it's kind of their lucan called uh i say fuck that i was, I was thinking that was going to be his guest appearance but uh no yeah i believe miracles like super suckers great rock and roll band you know they're 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 in that movie hype which we we've ta- mentioned a few times in, in the last couple of years so yeah great great band and, and kind of a good change of pace to open up for pearl jam too like they're kind of more of like a garagey kind of you know, kind of rockabilly, not not rockabilly in the sense that you think of, but more kind of like a cow punk band almost. So yeah, good stuff there. Yeah, definitely. And he brought them out on this tour and, uh, you know, they got very excited. A lot of fans got very excited. There's a scene in that, uh, that video that we were talking about the, uh, the touring band video that's on YouTube. I believe we probably shared it at this point to our social media pages. So check that out if you haven't yet. But at one point, everybody's in the van. They're like, yeah, Super Suckers. Can't wait for the Super Suckers. So, yeah, everybody was really into it. Seems like a good opening band. I have never digged into the band before, but you know how I am. Anything that's related to Pearl Jam, I'll uh, I'll go back and, and give it a good look. So that gets us into the opening for this show. It's no different than a lot of openings to a lot of shows because it's the most common opener there is. It's release. Yeah. 
this time period in, in the world, and mainly in, in the U.S. Uh, this is about a week or so after Hurricane Katrina hit. And this part of the main set might have been after release, but the whole, you know, beginning section, I think Corduroy Save You Give It a Fly Evolution, was all taped for an MTV Hurricane Katrina benefit called React Now um, Music and Relief. This kind of starts out, and you have to think that starting with something like Release is kind of a nod and homage to what's going on down down in uh, in New Orleans. Absolutely, like I remember because being in Atlanta, you know, we were we were close to all of that. I remember that because a lot of like refugees from New Orleans ended up in Atlanta, and I think a lot of them have stayed. You can still, you know, if you're in Atlanta, if you're driving around, you you'll see a lot of New Orleans stuff. A lot of people, you know, a lot of the, the Saints fans and stuff like that. A lot of them have transplanted to Atlanta, so. Yeah, it's it's it was a big big influence down here. I remember it like it was yesterday. You know, seeing all the footage from the Superdome and all the stuff, all the the videos of people, you know, fleeing and God, it's just one of the worst tragedies, you know. Yeah. And yeah, to I, it, this this show, like when he mentioned that, it kind of threw me back because you know you you don't I knew it was 2005. I didn't remember the exact date, but yeah, this was yeah. I remember like just to hear them talk about it just brought back a lot of memories for me and and yeah like it was it was cool of them and you can tell because he's he kind of does some self-censoring and in, in some of the songs here at the beginning so that kind of threw me for a loop but release is a good one you, you get the the dear john like you would get a lot in 2005 2006 for johnny ramon i assume and uh yeah great way to start the show for them and and you know we just need to keep we need to keep reacting we need to keep uh keep our fellow person in in mind and uh help them out whenever possible so this is this is all good that ed dress addresses the crowd here which is very rare for beginning in the show especially to follow release it's usually release and all right we're we're warmed up let's get into it but it, I, it's probably necessary that the crowd know what they're doing and and just kind of especially it's probably on his mind um, so he dresses it and says that they're they're doing. He doesn't say MTV by name, but he says it's a contributor benefit, and uh, they're working on funds to help uh, 
you know, and encourages the the crowd to to chip in, though he thinks the government should take care of the situation. But it's the people who have to rise and take care of one another. So the next four songs, as mentioned before, Corduroy, Save You, Given a Fly, Evolution were all used for this uh, event. And unfortunately, it's not online. I couldn't find it anywhere. Hmm. And, uh, you know, and there's not like. 2005 is a weird time there you know there's not youtube yet there's not there's no phones you can't take video on your phone so there's not a lot of documented footage out there uh so we have to go by what uh what's on the bootleg and sometimes i actually like that so uh but this is this is great it's a great way to kick things off and you know it's look those four songs back to back to back to back like that like any show any show you get these and it's just gonna rile the crowd up it's gonna it's going to bring them to a frenzy and and not even that but you look at what's going to come afterwards and you have basically an eight song section with almost no break in between i think everything is like song to song to song to song to song if not like you know a second to breathe and change guitars yeah yeah and again like they're i think they they probably front loaded this little first section here because given to fly and do the evolution aren't usually back to back in this first section so i think they wanted to get those in for the for the broadcasted part but for me like i i thought this first section kind of kind of suffered a little bit from i don't know if they were if it was the nerves like they felt like they were maybe having to be a little more performative than usual for the for the for the television crowd but the guitar tone sounded a little thin on corduroy and save you like save you there was a part that was out of tune a little bit and again that that happens that's it's not doesn't not the end of the world but it just and then like like i mentioned like the instead of the the fuckers and save you and, and given to fly you get you get cuff me and save you Cuffers and given to fly. It's a little strange. I kind of felt like I was listening to like a Walmart broadcast or something. It was just, just a little, just a little weird. Like that's that's not like them to. to I, I know they they've done it on Letterman and a few things like that, but for this like just. That, that 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 doesn't really seem like that. So just let them bleep. Yeah, it was a little it was a little weird. So I think I that that kind of took me out of it for this little section. I, I normally am like after release like corduroy, you're ready to get into that little punk rock section. I'm all I'm all about it most of the time. But this one was a little strange. I kind of felt like it was I don't know if it was tentative, maybe not the right word, but it just didn't have the the punch that this section normally does. I think. I see where you're coming from. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fine. I, I didn't really see like a lack of, you know, uh, energy from it. I, I thought, you know, there were some things like Ed has a fantastic growl at the end to save you. Um, and then he's changing the lyrics to evolution, which is kind of fitting to the time saying he's a thief, he's a liar. And that's got to be a reference to, to President Bush there. So mm-hmm. that kind of yeah. fits. And that's getting something that's on MTV, something big like that, which I think 
around that time was it, it was starting to become a little less taboo, but it was still kind of taboo to do stuff like that. But I, I, I liked it. I, I think I liked this section. I think it was a good way to get you into the show. But I think even better than these four is just the whole entire rundown of, you know, through Evenflow, because the next four are animal insignificance, green disease, then Evenflow. And, and maybe to your point, because they jumbled some things around to get a song like Given a Fly up there early, maybe that's a spot that animal would get. Maybe insignificance would have been where evolution is. Like some of these, they might be out of place, but they're shifted a little bit where I, I, I honestly I didn't have a problem with anything I thought I thought it all worked kind of nice and and it to me overall the set felt like an updated version of a no code set list hmm. interesting and I'll kind of get um, into that later as we go okay okay uh, yeah but I mean don't get me wrong at, as after animal this this show really picks up like I have I thought this this section, these this four songs, and then a, f- a couple of things that follow it were maybe the best part of the show when it kicks in. Like animals, great insignificance, fantastic. Another there's line really change nice, in insignificance. Yeah, fools who might be president. There's there's some nice harmonies. I don't know if it was Jeff or Matt or Stone, but somebody was doing harmonies in insignificance. It sounded great. Uh, green disease, super fast. Like Jeff just doing those eighth notes on the bass sounded fantastic. Uh, Green Disease, one that we, again, a Riot Act, one that we don't normally get to talk about. It was a great addition right here, a little binaural and Riot Act back-to-back. Should we make it the song that we give love? Like, is this our... The unsung hero? Yeah, the, the unsung or forgotten song of the week. in that that little fast section you know it's it's from the most recent record still at this point so yeah sound sounded great and again i i loved hearing you know jeff's bass was right up front really great tone to it sounded fantastic and all the all the complaints i had about those first four or five songs are are gone by the time insignificance and green disease comes around there they're definitely hitting their stride it sounds great and even flow caps it off like this is a fantastic version of even flow yeah, it's 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 a tight version of Evenflow. It's about seven and a half minutes long, but look, you get a really good McCready moment, obviously, and you know it, it kind of finishes out this little marathon section really well, and, and it doesn't linger on too long because they kind of know, all right, well maybe we need to change up, maybe we need to take a little bit of a break here. But I want to go back back to Green Disease for a second because something really shocked me. When it came to green disease, so the last time they played it, seven eleven oh three, I believe that date is one of the Mansfield shows. If I'm not it mistaken. is, yeah. Um, that was the last time they played it. They didn't play it at all during the two thousand and four uh, VFC shows. Hmm. So 
Yeah, it's just one of those that, that, that fell out of favor. Yeah. It kind of it kind of had some time on the avocado tour a little bit. Look, this is the 28th time out of 65 times that they played it, so it's not like they're never not playing it again. Enough, not really. It, it's trust me, it's not. I, I'm with you on that. But it's I, I think as opposed to like a ghost or a help helper or a crop duster, I think it stayed around a little bit longer. Right. So yeah, and it's it's. It's too bad because it's it's a great song. Like I, I love when it pops up on the set list. It's got that moment where you know you get to do the G R E D G R. Uh, yeah, it's. I don't know why they don't they don't play it more. It's it should definitely come back. I would love it. I have never heard it before, so yeah, I yeah. I am in that camp. That is, that is the forgotten song of the week. I forgot what we called it last week. So forgotten song of the week is what we'll call it. This we'll, we'll call it we'll call it something different next week. Yeah, love love Green Disease and and like you mentioned in, in Evenflow, there's a fantastic Mike solo. He's all over the place. I I really thought it was cool. Like Stone doing a cool thing at the end of the solo. He's doing like a kind of cool melodic little lead there. It kind of leads into what Matt like. We don't get a full 2006 Matt Cameron solo, but it's it kind feels of a little like we're about tease to of it. Yeah, it did. I thought it was coming, but and then like the crowd takes it at the end, and this crowd like give them credit. Like there probably weren't. You know, this is this isn't an eighteen or twenty thousand people. I think this is. I don't know. I don't have the exact number, but I think it was a, one of the smaller shows. Probably ten, twelve, maybe even. I but would say twelve max. Give give this crowd some credit, man. When like it, it shocked me when when he threw it to them for to bring it back into even flow. They they went full on and and you you can feel almost everyone in that building screaming along. It sounded great. Absolutely. So. Yeah, even flow uh, a highlight on this. Don't don't skip it. Nope, not at all. Absolutely, and that kind of gets us into this section a little bit here, which I think is going back to the theme of the night, which is kind of a dedication to Katrina and awareness for Katrina, and that's present tense followed up by I am mine, and present tense just feels like man, this just a jam session. They feel like they are in a groove with it. that i don't know why they don't do that more often i'd love to know how many times they've done even flow into present tense i know we can live footsteps has that oh, available but I, I think a decent amount i don't think it's like yeah, something totally I, I, rare i love this because you get right after even flow you get mccready a chance to just kind of show off again and kind of start this and it feels like it's just him and ed for a long time because mm-hmm. they really really play up that that intro and again it sounds great and 
present tense like the end of it is fantastic this whole it's it's just part of this whole middle section i thought was the best part of the show yeah and like i mentioned the katrina stuff definitely works into it really mm-hmm. well uh ed takes a second to talk about it a little bit here and he questions why the president didn't stop his vacation to go to work and to get things fixed and then he questions while why the real president dick cheney <laughs> was on vacation too <laughs> is that they can take a vacation as long as they want, as long as we're concerned. I Am Mind, he mentions, is about being important to feel safe. So, again, like, these are good moments for what's going on in the world. And, you know, what's interesting, I Am Mind is the last 2000 song that's played in this set. Yeah. Considering, you know, they only have two albums and a, a couple of B-sides from this year and, and this, this tenure, there's not a lot else to go on but every, everything after it is you know from 10 to yield which is kind of incredible yeah we're we're throwing we're, we're throwing it back after this yeah i mean i thought it was it was good again it was more the thing where i was like okay this is gonna be the one where you know <laughs> that he lets loose at the end like katrina's on their mind it's it's a great song for the for that moment this is one that kind of like light years that pops up in when they kind of need healing you know when yeah. there's when there's some kind of tragic event going on and you 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 know you can count on i am mine but yeah i i really wanted this to be the one that where they let mike loose and it's right here in the middle of the set right in this little even flow section it would have been perfect but going into state of love and trust yeah, yeah yeah i agree with you i agree with you that would have been real nice but it's just not it just doesn't seem like it's for that it seems like mike yeah. just kind of lets the song just be on its own which is fine but of course do more why not here's it's kind of amazing we've only talked about this for what feels like 15 minutes and we're already at the encore how does yep. this happen because the next four songs and we could spend some time on this because the next four songs really feel like they're sectioned together and fit so perfectly i don't think i've ever heard these four songs all in a row state of love and trust into elderly woman behind the counter, we get the we get the point. Uh, into I got shit into rearview mirror. It's an outstanding fork punch combo to close the set. Like you don't even think about things like this to to even be created. Like state of love and trust kind of brings you back after what's an emotional section, and you're kind of bouncing around. Elderly woman gives you a little campfire, and, and campfire is another theme that's going to come up in the encore too. And then I got shit is that's the performance from this that I was just, this is awesome. Here's what happened. Ed sings the second verse to begin the song instead of the first. Right. I don't right. know if he, that's he a mistake or not. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it was. Because I think he caught himself in the second verse and was like, wait, I sang this already? Uh-huh. And then, yeah, yeah. But he sings the first verse in the second. On empty shells seems so easy to cry I got questions I know where I'm ever gonna wear So I'll just lie alone and wait for the dream That I'm not ugly and you're looking at me
times I hurt myself talking So I'll just slide on and wait for the dream That I'm not ugly, please look at me falls on his feet. He's falling, but he knows, okay, well, I, I have another life here, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land on my feet with this. But it's just, the feeling to get that and then to kind of know in your head he's screwing it up, but he's going along with it as it's actually working and not, like, in the middle of it, wait, 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 wait a minute, I fucked it up. That's what kind of makes this song magical. But yeah, and he's developed that ability to kind of think on his feet and make changes. And I've, I've got a song, you know, very, very much later on that, that I'll bring that up again. Where, yeah, he's he's become a master of that. at like kind of turning what could be a bad situation into something good. And like, again, getting everyone on his side. We always talk about like, oh, he's, they're so adorable when they make mistakes because they just admit it and they just move on and keep going. Like. What else can you do? They just they they have they have the ability to laugh at themselves and keep going, and that that makes you that that gets you on their side. You know, you're you're pulling for them. But yeah, I mean, I think they they do this a lot, and you're you know talking about the the '90s little run that we're gonna get here to the end of the show. They'd never played here before, you know, in right. 2005. So you're giving these these people a chance to kind of catch up with you because. They know that there's there's people there that, you know, those first few albums, they're giving them a chance to hear some stuff from those albums. And I'd be interested to see when they went back in 2011 if that set is more focused on some of the later stuff, the 2000 stuff, mm. to see if he went back and looked and, and did that on purpose. I, I didn't pull it up uh, beforehand, but I have a feeling it is. Um, but, yeah, to end this, like, 91, 93, 95, 93 to end this. And it's and, – and Rearview Mirror – you didn't mention it, but Rearview Mirror is the, is the cap on this. It's, we were it's only a fi- to it. It's only a 15-song main set, so yeah, Rearview Mirror is is the cap on this. That oh my god, it's these 2005 Rearview Mirrors and we've talked about it. It's amazing. Like again, chalk it up to another fantastic Rearview Mirror, but just really, really, really good. Another highlight from the show. One of the best ones I've heard in a long time. All three guitars are working really, really well together. That's what I think. That's the most I took out of it, and and also just that, just absolutely driving the whole pace the whole entire way. There's a little Ebo on it. Uh, Mike is working off a, a little bit of a feedback distortion, kind of playing off his guitar, and then the big clapping section before getting back into the break with a strong finish of the song.
that this crowd was on top of their game and this crowd was feeling it at the moment because you, you sort of you know with with a crowd that doesn't get shows maybe they haven't listened to the boots maybe they're going because hey i listened to pearl jam in high school and and they're finally here kind of deal maybe they don't know about these big moments that the crowd has to kind of flourish and the crowd it's not like anybody tells them it's time to clap like they're freaking in it the whole way this is this is like any good crowd in America or in in England or wherever there are good crowds it feels like it's fitting in it doesn't feel dead at all oh yeah this, this shout out to this crowd and you know Jason mentioned it too like they they are they're on the ball yeah they they were ready so yeah, I give them all the credit powerful powerful close to the main set enjoyed it and boy that went by fast that usually doesn't happen <laughs> I guess we need to there you go. I guess we're doing more Canada shows from 2005. You got, you got your wish if you were wishing for Canada, ladies and gentlemen. If all of them are going to be like this. I don't think they all still. Uh, that'll encourage us to do more. Uh, we are at the Encore, which means we are going to take a break ourselves and talk a little bit about what's going on over at Patreon. What is going on at Patreon? It, 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 there's, there's always stuff, but if people want to join Patreon, what can they expect either this week or what we've done in the last couple weeks. Yeah, we had uh, we had a set list draft. Are we ready to announce the winner of the set list draft? It, it's not you. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just I'm just playing spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, Ra- yeah. Randy Morgan won the set list draft. So congrats to Randy. He was a he was the newbie in out of the foursome and uh he will come back and defend his title and that's one of the things that we do offer you for joining patreon you get to kind of join in on the set list draft it's it's like a fantasy draft for set list where you know everybody's drafting you know in the same kind of position that you would draft fantasy football but you're drafting a set list in order of how you want it to go so if you have the number one overall pick and you want long road you pick that and then you get songs that are stolen from you it's a it's a whole thing it's a lot of fun if you're a sports guy and real or or gal and really enjoy it you know playing the fantasy games like you're you're really gonna love this it's part of it's a big part of the pearl jam nerdum and we we just want to share that with everybody i think we have open spots for the January edition. So cool. anybody that wants to join in for January, please feel free to do so. Uh, other things we, we have coming soon on Patreon. We have another bridge school episode that's coming up. Uh, the 2006 night one episode is coming very soon. And we have an evolution episode coming on footsteps and that should very cool. All very be cool. happening. And I think we're, we're going to be doing another, uh, another Diva episode. If you, if you like the D program stuff, We've we've got another uh, Devo episode. We're gonna we're gonna finish that up. I won't won't spoil anything right now, but we'll have uh, we'll have yet another edition of that coming for you if you enjoyed those. All right, let's let's uh, let's thank some of the new people that joined us this week. Uh, I want to thank we want to thank we want to thank Nick Smith for joining. Thanks, Nick. You rock. Thanks for joining Patreon. And we thank also want to thank chris davis who has moved up a tier he moved up from the giga leg tier to the horizon leg tier so thank you so much to chris and a big thank you goes out to because if you've heard us talk about the horizon tier uh the horizon tier is for funding for our website that we're doing that's basically following up 
and on the concert chronology that Five Horizons and Two Feet Thick did. But we're doing it in a little bit of a different fashion. I don't know if we're calling it Concertpedia. I don't know if we're calling it the Almanac. It'll be called something. And a lot of people, we reached out to just, you know, people on social media this past week, and we got a lot of responses back for people interested in writing for the website. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, guys. Both of us, we, we appreciate it so much. And uh, any help that you guys want to put to this, whether it's financial help, whether it is writing, whether it's researching on YouTube, literally one of our roles that we have is you watch clips for shows on YouTube and you make sure that they're of good quality and they aren't cut off at any points like that. Right. That's, and that's going digging because there's going to be some that aren't labeled with, with, yeah. you know, what, what they are, you know, it's, it's going back and digging. It's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a labor of love. And yeah, the, the more people that we have on board, the easier it's going to be and the more fun it's going to be. So we definitely thank all those people. Absolutely. So if you're interested in doing that or writing reviews for individual shows, uh, hit us up on the email live on four legs podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to donate financially, you want to donate to the horizon tier, patreon.com slash live on four legs or live on four legs. Search for it on a Patreon app. There are three tiers. The bonus leg tier is going to get you everything on Patreon. It'll get you uh, access to do set list drafts. The giggle leg tier is going to get you an episode that we'll do in the future. And then, like mentioned before, the horizon tier is going to get you a profile episode on Patreon at some point. So everybody on Patreon that's a Horizon tier member will get their own personalized Pearl Jam episode. I think that's really cool, and and that's one of the things we forgot to mention. Chris had his last week, so that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was great. So go and check it out if you're interested in that stuff. All right, let's go back into the show. We come back, and this is kind of, this is the point that I was bringing up about, like, it feeling like a no-code show in 96, because they come back, and they're not starting out with the campfire. We'll get to that. It comes. But we start out with glorified G and the whipping. This is more like, okay, play off the momentum that we just came off of. You know, it's a 15 song set. So you got to keep them, you got to keep them going. So there's no salutations with the crowd pumping right back in. And I, I whipping is a highlight from this show. I don't know what it was. It's just, it was a kick you in the ass performance. Fierce and Matt's driving on the whole thing. It's got pogo stick kind of style speed to it. I, I haven't really loved a version of whipping in a very long time. I don't know why. It just hasn't. And I like the song. Don't get me wrong. I like the song, but it hasn't connected with me like most other songs have. But this version might have me back on the bandwagon. This was fantastic. Yeah, I think that's. And you mentioned, I think that's a function of Cameron too. Just finding uh, his his groove with it and it's not one that I don't think it's one that got played a lot in his in his early years from like 2000 2001 2002 2003 I don't think it it was it, it didn't drop off but it, it it didn't quite have the prominence it did back when it when it was first around
big highlight from this show. Oh, fantastic. Again, Matt's driving this. It feels like he's the controlling the pace, controlling the power of every single song. And then you get into the tag territory. And the version of Daughter, obviously, you know, it's so hard <laughs> with just Daughter, like, talking about the song. Because when you get to the tag, like, that's really what everybody's excited about. That's the good stuff. But the actual version of Daughter is very good, too. Let's not overlook that. When you get into the tag, it's just this jam. And you get some back and forth with the crowd. And Ed's doing his thing with the audience. I am free. You are free. We're all free. And just some good melodic hey-hos. And, and it's not like a Blitzkrieg Bob kind of tag. It's just just kind of doing some hey-ho back and forth. And, and then at the end, Ed gets that one last belt towards the end of that. And, oh, that's, that's yeah, he, a great he caps it off. Yeah. This, oh, yeah. And, again, I'll, I'll give the crowd credit. When the, when the call and response kicks in, they nail it. And it gave me chills thinking about what it was like in that building with with everyone they are loud on this bootleg and and i think it's it's a function too of maybe daughter in this encore spot you know how many how many times do you do we get daughter nowadays in an encore i would love to get just a crazy ending set version of daughter that would be that would be so unique and so great but and again like this crowd is up for it they they he could have kept going and they would have been they would have been right with him moment when when ed finishes it off is is one of the best moments of the show i wholeheartedly agree absolutely absolutely and it just kind of jam they kind of continue to jam out and s- until it sort of just fades and ends and then it kind of it, it's kind of beautiful in a way that it finds its landing instead of the band kind of getting confused and being like all right what beat should we end on nope they just they just kind of let it go and uh it sounds really really good but who would you think that the crowd would be going wild for after this performance of daughter what do you mean, in somebody in the band? Yeah, yeah, because right here, Ed kind of acknowledges the crowd, and and mm-hmm. the the band is just chanting for Boom. Yeah, give giving Boom some love, and he he comes on and says, "Oh, is, oh, you uh, you must be you must be referring to our uh, our keyboard player over here, Boom." And yeah, it's it's a it's a cool moment. I and he says he actually he says. Uh, I thought you were booing us because we weren't sharing the wine. It's up to you guys if you want us to keep playing a bunch of stuff or or we can play. And it's a resounding yes. Of course, whenever he says, it's up to you. Do you want us to to play a little bit more or what do you want us to do? Of course, he's just pandering to the crowd. Of course, they're going to get loud. Of course, this is happening. Uh, But... You know, the crowd who bought tickets to a Pearl Jam show would appreciate it if they continued, I would think. <laughs> um, 
yeah, the next song is about friends and it's another campfire song. So you get two campfire back to back here. That's the juxtaposition of what you would get in a 2020 set compared to what you would get in this era. Off he goes in the footsteps in the beginning of the encore, maybe mix in a just breathe or some kind of rarity and other side. If you're very, very lucky glorified G and whipping would kind of go in this, like, okay, kind of rev them up into better man or something else at the end. But this is very different. And I kind of like how this is set up. I'm, I'm, I would love to see them mix it up like this again. Like I would love to hear them come out after, after a main set and come out and, and keep it going and, and punch you in the face with something, you know, it doesn't, doesn't always have to be a sit down section. I know they're getting older. Like that's, that's part of it. You have to, you have to kind of pace yourself, but yeah, move, maybe move it a couple of songs back. Like make, make the middle of the encore, the sit down part, you know, mix, mix it up. I'm all for it. Again, in this, this little section, like 93, 96, 91 here. Mm-hmm. Off he goes. Mike has yeah. his little country yeah. inspired solo. Like it did get another a, it was a little more upbeat. Yeah. it feeling like a no code era show but not many no code songs this is only only the second second. one but yeah off he goes is always great whenever it's it's one of my favorites and then and then he just kind of keeps it going like hey here we go footsteps and the the harmonica comes out and then the the crowd was screaming for boom and they get another really good boom moment that's right yeah when we talk about our evolution episode we're gonna probably be talking about stuff like this and how the nowadays versions are, you know, heavy, heavily influenced with the with the B3. And back in 94, they played the Bridge School show and Ben Montench from uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers was playing uh, the piano or keyboards in the background for them. And that's something that felt very rare. So it's the evolution of the song kind of fits in and it's really nice because you get the the harmonica and the harmonica kind of was an add-in around i think the 99 bird school show so uh, that's kind of set in stone here and and the lost dogs album is already out um but i i think it fit in really nicely it gets really bluesy at the end yeah like it, it almost turned into like a bar band version of footsteps like the you know your your local blues band down at the saloon you know <laughs> which it, kind of fits it, yeah i never heard anything like that at the end of footsteps before so very very unique but the thing the thing that's that stuck out to me was definitely boom on that piano like yes it, like you mentioned the, the ben montench version from the bridge school that immediately took me back to that because it's that it's that really clean piano sound and i think it really really added a lot to the song i thought it was fantastic yeah agreed Agreed. Definitely, definitely worked there. And, and, you know, speaking of kind of like bluesy and bar kind of things, it feels, have you ever seen the music video for Harvest Moon? Yes. It feels like Saskatoon is that. Mm -hmm. If you haven't gone out and seen 
the music video for Harvest Moon. It's basically a, a countryside in Canada, at least Canada or America, whatever you want to depict it as. And it's just a bunch of couples that are just dancing in a bar together. And it's, uh, it's Saturday night out in the country. Right. And it feels like Saskatoon would be that. So here's to you, Saskatoon. Better Man and Porch are going to end the set. Better Man has great energy to it, sense of feeling it kind of near the end of the show, like, you know, kind of building. You're building up the wave. And you don't get a full save it for later tag, but it just kind of, I like it because you kind of continued the, uh, the progression of the song and he's just reciting the lyrics at the end. I thought that was a cool little touch. And he does that sometimes instead of, you know, the the pause and, and break down and call and response. I thought that was a good moment to do that. Yeah, it was, it was a nice kind of change of pace, you know, because you think save it for later, and you know, I'm sure that they can get kind of stuck in a rut with these things, just like we do listening to them. So yeah, you, you always want to hear, you know, something different. You know, what 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 different? What, what are they going to do with it this time? You know, and this is just another different, uh, a different thing that they can do with it. And yeah, it sounded great. And like, it almost felt like not an afterthought, but almost like he was kind of making it up as he went along. Like, I'm not sure what I want to do here, so I'll do this. And again, he I'll, I'll mention it like we mentioned before. He's He's become the master of, of just improvisation and, and thinking on the fly and being able to kind of like roll with these things and, and make it part of the set. And, and you know, 2005, they were definitely, you know, they're, they're 15 years into the, his career of playing shows and he can, he can do that like almost no one else ever has done. Like there are a few maybe in history that, that can, that can, that are in that category with them. But yeah, it's, it's, it just goes to show how, how tight they are as a band. Yeah, they're, they're super comfortable at this point. There are times where it feels like, and it's kind of like, you know, in football or in team sports and basketball where you kind of just gel with a player and you know where they're going to be. You know where they're going to be on the court. You know where they're going to be on the ice. And you don't have to think about it. You, you know, okay, Mike is going to come in with this little bridge and Mike is, is improvising a little bit here. Stone is improvising a little bit there. Matt's going to do this little flourish. And you just kind of pass them the ball. And it's a no-look pass because you know they're there and they're going to shoot, they're going to score. Like, that's, that's just how it is at this point. Maybe in the beginning, maybe they're just kind of like, okay, let's all kind of feel it. Let's all get together as a band and kind of know what we're doing. And there's a lot less of that improvisation. But at this point, they are absolutely playing in the World Series every day. They're playing in the Stanley yeah. Cup. They they know what the fuck they're doing. So. Yeah, and it, it's, it's been a long time on this show since I've mentioned Fugazi, but the way you were you were talking about that is exactly like Fugazi famously, you know, never used set list. They would always just kind of play by flow and whoever took the lead would, would pick the next song and go with it. And I, I, I should mention, I want to take a second. I, my episode of the, that I did for the Fugazi A to Z podcast is out. I, I talked about great cops. So if you're, if you're into Fugazi, you can check that out. It was, it was a lot of fun. We talked about, uh, we talked about Pearl Jam and Fugazi a lot about their, their relationship. So Good. check that out if you, uh, if you're so inclined, but yeah, like it, it takes years to build up that, that intra intra band relationships. And yeah, that, that's one of the great things about you know covering these shows is is getting that every week and seeing how it, how it plays out. But yeah, again, better man and and then a, a great version of Porch and this little encore one. It's I mean this is this is one of the best encore ones I've, we've had in a long time. It's very it's very good. It's very it's it's top notch. 
And you mentioned bluesy before, and this intro yep. is like the porch blues of porch blues Turned here. up to 11. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're just milking it. They're taking their time with it. And, and you know, he's kind of slow in the lyrics. But then you get that pause, and you get back into the, the hard stuff in the song, and, and it, it kind of explodes. It explodes. And I think the whole song has that vibe to it where, you know, even Mike in, in in his solo section feels really bluesy, but he, it's explosive. I think a lot of this section where Ed is going back and forth with the crowd, explosive section, like really yeah. good setting. Yeah, and he, and I think in the middle, like he, he's. This might have been one of the first times I think he started doing it on this tour where he kind of like he goes out the crowd. He says, you know. It, it, it's safe here, right? I can, I can come visit. And he kind of like does that thing where he kind of goes out in the crowd and kind of like stands up on them a little bit and does the haze and gets out. So yeah, very, very, very cool. And that's that's one of the things you can see in the video. I think they, they have that moment where he that's right. talks to them and sees it. Yeah, it's, I think that this might have been one of the first times. It, yeah, who knows? I, I think maybe they did a little bit in 2003, but they weren't doing it that much. Right, right. Like right. that goes in with another thing of just kind of being knowing that you're the band and knowing that you kind of have this edge over you know other bands where you can come off stage where you can talk to security beforehand and, and they know what they're doing and they're not gonna push back because you know you're just some uh random band at the, like mm-hmm. I, I they've got their in-house people that can, exactly. they can talk to people and yeah they they're they're prepared but it's also saskatoon it's small it's small town sure. too so sure. they're they're just excited that they're uh, but yeah, Encore One, great, amazing. I'm sure we're, we're going to get that to that in the highlights. Encore Two, just as good. We're going to get into some things that you'll never hear again, kind of. It took us a second because we're trying to uh, learn a song, and when you hear it, you might have wished that we took a second more, but we're going to try it anyway. Who called, of course, running back to Saskatoon. 
and a lyric sheet was brought to the stage for Ed to, to, to read along with. And, you know, I, I, I love it because it's the perfect amount of pandering without being too, like, hey, Saskatoon, like, you're we're in Saskatoon, so we're going to do this. There, it, it came off the cuff. It's not something that they came up with in even in soundcheck it feels like they they were back there during the encore i don't know who's the guess who fan in 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 the band i'm gonna guess Hmm. mike mike likes that kind of stuff yeah maybe uh but it it feels like you know that was just kind of off the cuff and maybe a uh one of the guys that's working for the band in the back maybe they went on a lyric website real quick and typed out the uh the lyrics for him and just said here you go and maybe didn't they didn't even yeah. finish it and had to pull it up on morpheus or Kazaa, whatever we were using at the time right az lyrics mm-hmm. so they get through about two choruses before they just sort of they're like oh yeah it falls we apart. really don't know yeah. it we really don't know it but again and, i give give this crowd credit they of course they immediately there's an immediate like mark of recognition like whoa you know there's that big roar from the right. crowd and you get it's just it's a great way to say thank you to this crowd like not many bands would would go to the trouble of, of learning it and of course Ed can't help but make it political like he talks about you know the <laughs> there there's a weak president and all that but yeah I, I just love that it you know they they got through the part that they worked out and then just kind of falls apart and then there's this like funny kind of reprise almost on the song where they mm. kind of try and do it again, but <laughs> they're like, no, it, it's really not going to work. If you've listened to the 2011 Saskatoon show, you, you know that they tried to do the same thing, probably fell apart earlier than this, and then they had somebody from the crowd join on stage and, and yep. actually sing the song. Yep. So. Yep. If hey we like one Saskatoon show, we might as well do another at some point. Since we complete complete the uh, the duology, as it were. <laughs> well, hopefully they go to Saskatoon again, and we can get three. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? We'll be driving the prairies just to get there. We'll have but, to ask Jason if we can borrow the van. <laughs> it still it still exists. It's still alive. Uh, so I doubt it can get from wherever it is. Probably <laughs> Vancouver. Oh no. We'll we'll have to tow it. We'll we'll put it on the back <laughs> of a flatbed and just tow it there. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, so yeah, he just mentioned it's kind of it's a fun dedication to the crowd, and he mentions that if there's any bands out there, if you ever wanted to get on stage in Seattle and fuck around, we owe you one. So there you go. He gives a nod to the Super Suckers. You kind of mentioned it before. You know, the lead singer's name is Eddie Eddie Spaghetti, and he said that's a nickname they used to call him back in fifth grade. But you know, thankfully he kept the nickname, so you can keep the two separated here. And uh, that gets us into a crowd participation song that we all know and love by the hand claps. John, will you share for us today? It's got to be Last Kiss. I can't think of anything else that sounds like that. That's for sure. But another one. It's just great crowd participation. Obviously, everybody knows the song. They're into it at this point. They know it's going to be the end of the night very soon. But it's it's all about kind of the campfire theme. And Ed kind of says it at the end of the song. It's one of the better campfires, if you ask him. And it, it kind of pulls in all together that they're kind of, they all find songs to just sing along with each other. And that's kind of a great moment. Yeah, it's it's not. I mean, the we've been we've been spoiled doing all these bridge school shows. I mean, that's 
the bridge school is is the the time and place for last kiss i think is what i'm coming to understand and those are really special versions and when they when they play it at a at a main show like this at a electric you know full-on show it's it's more just for fun and like they they're just having fun with it they're not taking it too seriously and i think even forget some of the lyrics at some point and then yeah it's just at this point you know we're we're at the end the the party's on you know the coming off of saskatoon like you know they're they're not taking it like as as good as that encore one was and as tight as it was you got all those 90 songs in a row this encore two is just let's just let loose you know the the wine's kicking in like we're just having a party yeah i i'm feeling it and i think you kind of feel it in a live too because this is yep. great version of a live uh mike blows them away this is a really really good solo on a live i'm gonna play it for you this is just doing the chorus riff instead of playing like the rhythm to yeah it was it was great i think then and you get some of the the you know the hey 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 you know like some of that gets in there i think that was the the part of the song where it kind of turned and i think that gave them a little bit of extra juice and it's it's right after that section that mccready just goes nuts yeah there's so much momentum here and i feel like it's one of those shows where if you're in the crowd and you're feeling you're feeling the energy from them don't want it to end and what's about to come here is kind of that signal because they leave the stage after a while you know they're, they're it's like they yeah. they laid out the bread and they that meant to toast it, it but yeah, yeah they, they they never put it in but look this is a story from jason that's in that video that we were talking about before the touring van documentary that that they made they after the song after a live when the band left the stage, all of them started chanting one more song. How often, and I don't know if the house lights were on or anything like that. Maybe the house lights were on, maybe they, maybe they weren't. But how often do you actually get that kind of, that one more song and you know that the, you don't know if the band is coming back on stage. You kind of feel it sometimes, but that kind of felt like it could have been the closer. They deserved one last song, but it kind of felt the way that it was, you know, three songs and out, you kind of felt, okay, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it for them. But what did you, what did you think? Yeah, it's, and again, it's, it's a, uh, just goes to show how, how special the relationship is between the band and their fans. Like, 
how many bands would hear that and be like, nope, we're done. You know, we we got we got to drive sixteen hours to Winnipeg, wherever the next show is. We've like, completed our set. Yeah, list. we're 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 done. Like th- we've done all the, eighteen. The, songs. The, the, we we gave these people what they paid for. Like like no, we're done. Like let's get to the party. You know, let's you know whatever. And like that's not how this band works. And that's no. why they're one of the greatest live bands in in rock history. Like that they're they're going to give back to their fans as much as they can and and ed's a big part of that and i think it you know from what you can hear he's kind of the leader behind that like hey you know kind of pulling everyone together like hey can we do one more like what do we have and and yeah it's just it's a great moment and it must have been really special for for jason and those guys because i think he said i think they were in like the fourth row or sixth row they were up close so you you can start to hear it in the bootleg you can kind of hear it build and like you kind of feel like i trying to put myself in that moment like you hear like a little group doing it, and then it kind of catches on and kind of spreads throughout the whole venue. And yeah, it turns into something really cool. And to be able to get their attention and to have, have them follow through like that is just a really, really cool moment and a great way to, to cap off this night. And of course, how can you leave without playing the Canadian national anthem? It's the world national anthem. It's the world national anthem rocking in the free world, not rocking in the free nation. So, of course, that's going to end your show. Of course, the connection there. Neil Young, Canadian, of course. Uh, Colors on the street, red, red, white, and red. Boom's keys are extremely pleasant in this. Like, this is another very high-powered boom moment, I thought. Yeah. He was definitely in a good spotlight. And, and the party atmosphere is just back. You know, it, it's... Ed throws him the line, uh, a thousand points of light for the New Orleans man, which is a great kind of capper on one of the themes for this show starting out with release and dedicating all of the first couple songs to uh hurricane katrina victims and you kind of see it here too and and then you get a mic solo you get a stone solo everybody gets tambourines and and you say good night and if you're in the crowd in saskatoon you're like man that was worth the 15 year wait to get that and if hopefully we get it again sometime soon they got it six years later but they absolutely showed and i think a lot of these other dates and venues in the in this tour like kitchener and uh, ottawa and montreal and other places like that like they really showed that the band the band can tour there regularly if they had to yeah it's a this is definitely a great un- overlooked tour by a lot of people. There's a lot of great stuff to happen. Yeah, I think you mentioned it too. Mike and Stone trading off at the end was was really great, and that, it must have been so cool for them for this this crowd to be able to see. I can I can just imagine them kind of laughing at each other and kind of smiling and kind of trying to outdo each other. But yeah, great way to end the show. Can't can't do it any other way in Canada. Rock in the free world, fantastic. Yeah, there you go. that is the show. That is Saskatoon. Saskatchewan. I didn't know Saskatchewan was the province for Saskatoon. That's like yeah. right above North Dakota, in the middle of North Dakota. Yeah, in kind of Montana. in the in between. Yeah, kind of in the Montana yeah. area a little bit. Yeah. I guess I thought that Manitoba and Alberta were next to each other. I hmm. I, I had no idea. It shows how much I know my Canadian geography. The, the Canadians are just yelling at us right now. They're, well, yeah. look, <laughs> this is our third Canadian show. We're kind of rookies at this, so we we need to get at least five more Toronto shows under our belt to actually know Canada. Well, I'll have to do a different 
we'll have to make a different big board for the Canadian provinces. We'll have to have oh, a yeah. big big celebration when we when we have all the provinces complete. I think that's I think that's a good goal. I think we got to get yeah. to a Vancouver yeah. at some point, and then yeah. the same tour they did St. John's, which is that's like right. that's all the way on the other end. That's a long drive. Give them a lot of credit, and uh, oh, I wish I could have done that. I wish I could have done something like that, but. The time has passed, my friends. So let's pick three moments that we really liked from the show. I'll let you go first. Difficult, difficult. Um, As much as, you know, the the running back to Saskatoon is is great. I there there are so many I gotta I gotta stick with the the chalk here and I've been doing this a lot lately. I gotta go rearview mirror, daughter, and and even flow. Those are my three. Like a lot of ones with that you you get a lot, and and we've heard hundreds of versions of them, but these really stood out for me in this show. I thought they were they were all really really outstanding versions and just great to listen to. Really made me sit down and take notice. Don't disagree with you at all. I'll uh, consider running back back to Saskatoon to be a, an honorable mention there because of course it's kind of an OTOTO it's it's going to be done one other time and they're never going to do it in T-T-O-T-T I lost it yeah well letters letters aren't our strong point right now uh yeah like you're not going to get that in another province or another or in the U.S. or anything like that so it's just that is the Saskatoon song but I'm gonna go I don't know if in in any order but my top three are going to be I got shit daughter and whipping. I think those were my <laughs> favorite moments from the show. The daughter, the daughter crowd response was really good. Oh, the, oh yeah. edit the end of that. That was, that was perfect. The, I got shit changing, you know, changing up the lyrics to the second, starting off with the second verse. And then, you know, like acting like it was totally normal to go into my, my lips are shaking. My nails are bit off in the second verse. And you gotta be thinking to yourself like, did he really just do that? Did he recognize he screwed up? But oh, great moment! And then whipping just kicked you in the ass. Cameron was amazing on whipping. So, uh, but there are, are more awesome. I, I recommend this to anybody. And we actually we I think this was one that we gave away as one of our free boots. So that's anybody right. that's a yep. patron, hopefully you've gotten that and downloaded it from our Patreon, even though it's probably expired. If you need it, hit us up. Uh, Let's do our rating for this show. What do you got? Yeah, I, this uh, this one surprised me again, and I I came into it kind of expecting it to be you know around seven, you know, kind of an average show, kind of in that range. I I didn't expect you know too much from it. It's not like a not a highlight kind of destination show that you think of when you think back, but. I was I was surprised listening to it. it. It it held my attention. It was it was great. Some great moments. Again the again the whole thing. You know, after after I am mine, all '90s thing. It was almost like a reverse Wrigley Night Two 2016. You know, yeah. kind of tied That's in with point. that. So that was really cool of them to to do that for these fans. I'm I'm gonna give this an eight. All it, right. it, it gets bumped up for me. Thought all it was right. thought it was a great listen. Yeah, kind of going off that point. Look, this show could have been in London and it could have been awesome. It could have been in Melbourne, Australia and it could have been awesome. It could have been in Los Angeles and it could have been awesome. Atlanta. <coughs> uh, oh, sorry. I just, I, sorry. You're, you're right there. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You, sorry. You just... talked about Atlanta a lot on the state of love and trust <laughs> podcast. I don't, I think, 
I think we have to limit your Atlanta mentions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks to those guys. Thanks to Jason and Paul for having me on that. Yeah, I've, definitely check out. Man, I've, I've had like a. I've had like a week, but yeah, I've probably check out been on the Better Band podcast this week because he's oh, doing excellent. the beginning excellent. of binaural. So our yeah, uh, our media out. takeover is almost complete. <sighs> uh, anyway, I was getting to my point. Um, yeah, like it doesn't matter that this was in Saskatoon. It just helped that the crowd of Saskatoon acted like the crowds of a London or a Melbourne or a Los Angeles or anywhere else across the country, a Boston, Philly. They were totally in that wheelhouse, and that absolutely surprised me. I loved it, and uh, I I'm in I'm in the nine territory. I'm giving it a nine. I think wow, it's deserving okay. of that. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a rare that's a rare nine from a show like this. I usually kind of save them for you know the the, sh- the notable shows, but I I kind of want to show that this one is notable for other reasons than you think than just hey, of course everybody knows this show, so. Yeah, yeah, hidden one of the hidden gems. Absolutely. So we did Saskatoon, and that's kind of a cold weather p- place. So you would think that after doing a cold weather place, we kind of need to move to somewhere warm, right? That would be nice. Yeah, there there's some there's some places they played. I'm thinking of a of an island out in the Pacific, maybe okay. that uh, that they've played some shows in. That would be nice to hit up right about this time of year. A, a hometown for for Boom potentially. Potentially. Okay. We're going to do the ice ball next week. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, why, why not just, just lean right into it? Yeah. 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 Uh, it's the time of year. I feel like, you know, even though it was an October show, you kind of, when you think ice bowl, you think, you know, the, the Vince Lombardi, Tom Landry matchup from, I don't know, 1967, whenever that was where, they were playing in what was negative 38 degree wind chill or whatever it was. There was, there were people that actually had died in the stands because that game was so cold. And this show is just infamously known for being freezing and, and the band going on stage and just like, you can see their breath as they're playing and it just kind of be an amazing vision. And we're going to have a patron on uh, Kirk Walton is going to come on the show and he's going to talk about his experiences there because neither of us were there. And I feel like that's one where you need to talk to somebody that was there to, in order to get the, uh, yeah, the whole outlook. So very well, excited. We, we had, we had Florida already this month, so we, we, we did. can, we can afford to, to kind of hit, hit with the season here. We, I might've hinted that the state that I mentioned before might be in the future. So if you're looking, if you're looking forward to something very warm, we're getting to it. Trust me, we're getting to it. Did I lie about Canada? No, I'm not lying about this either. I got your back, everybody. All right, so that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much again for Jason Leung. The book is called This All-Encompassing Trip, and you can get it on Amazon, and hopefully very soon you can get it on binauralrecords.com. And uh, even if you don't get a book on BinauralRecords.com, you can also get vinyl records on BinauralRecords.com. So that's a little plug for that. But once again, Jason was a fantastic guest telling his stories and just kind of living the Pearl Jam life. There's nothing better than that. So uh, pick up the book, read it, let us know what you think of it. We'll have a little conversation and uh, definitely, definitely enjoy it. So uh, that's it for me. That's all I got. This is the end. We're here, but not for much longer, and although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. 
if you're on Apple, Apple Podcasts, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, there's a little five-star rating thing. Just click five stars and comment and let us know that you like the show because that's how we know. If you don't email us, if you don't get in touch with us on social media, we'll know through Apple. And other people that might not have listened to the show before, they'll know on Apple too. And maybe we get bumped up to the top of the list if we get really, really good ratings. Just maybe. Just maybe. Not holding out hope, but it helps. So everything helps, and we're thankful for everybody. Definitely hit us up for next week. It's the Ice Bowl from 2000 Alpine Valley. We'll see you then. Cuff me if I say something you don't want to hear. Yeah.